Welcome to the Rooftop Podcast. Our topic today is wading through the toxic churn. How do you navigate that toxic division that exists all around you? You know what I'm talking about. You don't have to look far to see it. You can turn the news on for 30 seconds or go on social media and just scroll around and you'll see the toxicity. You'll see that churn that just keeps rising up between us and the people in our arena. You know, I've spent my whole life around that toxicity. I've spent my whole life around social tension between human beings. It's kind of part and parcel of the special forces environment, the special forces arena, places that we go by definition are low trust, high stakes, no fail. Whether that's the jungle regions of Colombia where the drug trade is rampant or the high mountain deserts of Afghanistan where tribal culture still dominates and feud and clan warfare is a part of everyday life. In fact, I can think back to a time in 2005 in southern Afghanistan, where uh, cousins, first cousins, were in an argument over a water source that split land right down the middle. They were, one one group of cousins was, was basically digging and kind of pirating a carez of, of water, a waterway away from the other's land. Words were exchanged, and before long, a full-on shovel fight erupted a shovel fight they were they were bashing each other over the head with shovels that they had been using to dig holes and it was i mean it was brutal people were laid open scalps laid open and it turned into a full-fledged blood feud over water and access to water and these were cousins these were people who were related and you know it it ingrained in me you all, it ingrained in me this realization that conflict is a reality. You know, conflict, the churn, as I call it, that social tension that exists in the arena, in the human terrain between you and those people who you're trying to serve or lead or just interact with, it's a real thing. It's a real thing, and there's uh, quite a few studies, including uh, a really interesting book called Managing the Monkey by uh, Mark Dawes, who is a well-renowned conflict resolution expert for violence in the workplace. He talks about how in the last 10 years, uh, violence and conflict in the workplace has gone just astronomically higher. Um, you know, that, that research has found that, you know, and a lot of it's stress, you know, a lot of it comes from stress. The stress of modern life, uh, has made 90% of the population, according to Dawes, much more angry than they were 10 years ago. And I'm going to talk more about this today. I'm going to unpack this today, but you know, the, 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 if you take stress a step further, you know, uh, I've talked about this in other episodes on the podcast. I've talked about emotional temperature, right? You know, humans are meaning-seeking, emotional, social story animals who struggle. We are still primal. And, you know, we can go high order really fast. We can, you know, devolve into um, primal behavior. 
And you don't ha- again, you don't have to look far to see it, do you? I mean, just look on look on social media. Look at the the people of, that are unfriending each other. You you can almost every day someone will make some you know post where they say, if you don't like what I'm doing, unfriend me. Uh, another guy who, who's, who's a friend of mine, he um, he's a thought leader, a special forces guy. He did a post about high performance, and I mean, he was just eviscerated. I mean, just torn asunder in the in the threads by people. I mean, the the comments were so uh, just just brutal. I don't, I don't even, I, I struggle for words because as I read the the guy was talking about what you can do to be a high performer and, and how you can, um, you know, level your game up. And, and, and I mean, he was just like, it wasn't even about the content. It was about his character. And these people didn't know him from the man in the moon, but, but yet that's what, that's where it went. It goes from like zero to 90 in a, in a second, you know, look at the political blowups that happened around the last election. And I'm not talking about the capital, or I'm not talking about the Chaz zones. You know, I'm talking about just everyday folks who can't even have a political conversation. Several dear friends of mine, uh, about six months ago, were having a conversation right before the election. So maybe it was more than six months ago, but they were having a conversation over supper, and they almost ended their friendship over it. Like it went, it went south so fast. And all of us were just sitting there going, is this really happening right now? But it, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you see it, the political blowups, the Facebook unfriending over masks, the blowups between teammates at work, just, just you know, uh, over over just the, the most trivial things. I, I, I saw a post the other day in, in our leadership forum on Rooftop University where one of my long-term uh, members said, you know what, what if meeting them where they are just isn't working. When do you just tell them to get the hell on board? <laughs> and I responded back, you can do that anytime you want. You can tell them to get on board anytime that you want. You can get coercive. You can break out the fish heads. You can swing the big stick. But just know that in a time of low trust, in a time of toxicity, in a time of churn, that you're just going to send them high order. You're just going to create a shovel fight. <laughs> right? Um, and And... and Teens are going through this. Our kids are going through this big time with social media and the and the and the elevated emphasis that they have as uh, on status. You know, it's a primal thing, but it is it is man, what a tough time to be a kid. And what about our skeptical clients and prospects who, you know, frankly don't seem to believe anything these days. You know, they 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 don't. And 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 our employees who are so disengaged. according to Gallup are disengaged or lacking purpose in what they do. So all of that conspires, all of that combines to form a level of toxicity, this, this, just this churn, uh, that I call it with a capital C. Um, there's a couple other metaphors that I'd like to share with you on this that, that I think help us think about this toxicity, this churn that we're dealing with. And I call them, you know, churn cyclones and churn sinkholes. So let me, if you will, permit me to elaborate on this a little bit. But, you know, think about your work environment, whether you're working from home and you're still doing the remote videos or whether you're back in the office or back in the workplace. Um, do you notice that these, these tension filled moments, um, can result in 
isolated conflict. It can result in somebody speaking in whispers about moral, with moral superiority of those folks over in the budgeting section or those idiots over in operations. They don't just get, they just don't get it. Or it could even be overt conflict, but it's isolated. It's focused in one little area and it's like a little twister. It's like a little cyclone of conflict. And you know, if you get anywhere near it, man, it'll suck you right in there. But if you look around your landscape, look around your arena, look at people driving to work every day, look at how people treat each other on the street, look at how people blow up in what are seemingly benign situations, look at people on social media. These little cyclones of conflict, these little cyclones of churn, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They dot the landscape. And, and, and the effect of that is a cumulative effect that erodes trust it erodes psychological safety. It deters efficiency. It drags down the amount of time it takes to get things done. The transaction costs of life and day-to-day business go up astronomically as these little twisters, these cyclones of churn pop up all over the place. So I just hold that metaphor in your brain. And then let's not forget the churn sinkholes. Now, these are the ones that are even worse. These are the uh, manifestations of erosion of trust, of erosion of social capital, erosion of relationships over time where the bottom just falls out. I remember a story. I live in Tampa, Florida. I remember a story several years ago. A gentleman by the name of Jeff Bush, I believe it was, he lived in Sefner, Florida, he and his brother. And he went to bed one night, he laid down in his bed, and his brother heard this god-awful sound, went in there, and there was a 200-plus-foot sinkhole that had opened up in Mr. Bush's room and had literally swallowed him alive. And, you know, the brother who was still... uh, on the surface of the earth, could hear his brother down below for a few moments, and then it went quiet. And literally a couple of feet away, everything was still hanging in Jeff's closet the way it was. Literally just his bed had gone into the earth and been buried, drawn in, sucked into the earth. And that sinkhole, which these sinkholes are very common in Florida. Um, I tell you, there are organizational sinkholes. There are community sinkholes. There are these sinkholes, these churn sinkholes that are starting to open up all over the place. Think about it. Look out west. Look in Seattle. Uh, Look in places where the riots happened in D.C., uh, Minnesota. Uh, Look at the organizational sinkholes that have happened inside companies, corporations, where trust is eroded, confidence is eroded, social capital connection is eroded and all of a sudden over time and it's eroded from below the surface right so it's happening and it's almost invisible Uh, and then at some point some trigger happens and the earth just opens up and everything falls into that sinkhole and when that happens that organizational collapse it is ugly it can lead to violence it can lead to uh, collapse of organizations of communities even nations And I think we have got to be aware of this when we talk about the toxicity, when we talk about the churn. At best, it's these little twisters all over the place on social media, the virtual world, Zoom, uh, in person, in our families, and it is eroding our confidence in each other. It's taking our social capital away. It's creating bonding trust instead of bridging trust, and it's a real problem. 
And then on the far end of the spectrum is organizational collapse. It's the sinkholes that can result in violence and, again, collapse of society and community, even nation. So what do we do about that? How do we live in a world that is just dominated, it seems like, by a 24-hour news cycle and and a social media environment that almost seems to foment or encourage this type of churn, this type of toxicity? You know, there are some realities we have to think about, okay? And I want to share a few of these with you because the more we can understand our human nature, what's below the waterline of this iceberg called humanity, the better suited we are to deal with the toxic churn. And the fact of the matter is most humans nowadays are not that dialed into their human nature. They're not that they're operating on instinct. And the irony in all that is the more we rely on instinct and the less we connect to our nature, the more primal we become. Mother Nature will have her way. She will not tolerate a human species that is disconnected from its own nature. And if we choose to do that, if we choose to ignore our primal realities and our emotional temperature and the things that make us tick at a biological level, then we will be even more prone to repeat them and do them in a negative fashion in everyday life. And I think you could probably agree with me that this is happening. So when you think about those unfriendings on Facebook and those lacerations that people endure uh, with the spears of anonymity that are thrown in social media, when, when you look at the conflict that happens in real time in the workplace, all of this is happening for a lot of reasons because we are not connected to our nature. We don't understand what it is that makes us tick and makes us spiral into this primal behavior. And yes, we are still primal. We are still primal. We are primal creatures. Um, We are well-dressed Neanderthals. And I know that's not necessarily a popular statement. We like to think that we are so culturally refined and technologically advanced that our ancestors and the primal tendencies they had are nothing but a memory. And not only that, They're a memory that can be canceled. They're a memory. We are so far evolved socially beyond that primal behavior. Really? Are we? Are we? Do we not exhibit clan, feudal, blood feud behavior on a regular basis? Right? Now, it may be between budget and operations, or it may be between um, one ethnicity over another, or one religion over another, or mask or no mask, but we are still primal. We are still well-dressed Neanderthals who will show up for an honor-based blood feud in a heartbeat and not even realize that we're doing it. We will do it in a semi-conscious way from a trance-like state. We are still ancient brains, but we are in a high-tech world. Our brains are just as ancient as they were 250,000 years ago. But now they are inundated with technology. They are inundated with social dynamics that the brain is rapidly trying to figure out and not doing a very good job. The fact of the matter is that a lot of the social conditions that happen in this state of toxic churn, they send us into an emotional state that is a trance. 
as Ivan Terrell says in the book, The Human Givens. We go into fear-based behavior, anger-based behavior. Those are highly aroused emotional states where the sympathetic nervous system kicks in, adrenaline goes up, cortisol goes up, and we have a primal response that would normally be something that our ancestors would demonstrate if a saber-toothed tiger attacked or a rival tribe. And we were afraid and and the body demanded a response or the brain did physiologically from the body of fight, flight, or freeze. And our bodies are wired for that. It's a survival mechanism. But the problem is this sustained, highly aroused emotional temperature of negative fear and anger is totally inappropriate for most situations in the modern world. It's completely inappropriate for addressing a water issue in tribal Afghanistan. So it's sure as hell inappropriate for addressing a disagreement over masks or no masks. It's inappropriate for addressing whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, whether you support Trump or Biden. Yet nowadays, when we hit these tripwires... We go into a downward, trance-like state, a spiral into primal negative behavior, shadow tribalism, where we exhibit contempt normally reserved for one's enemies, as Sebastian Younger says in the book Tribe. And, and, and we experience a level of polarization and division that allows us to actually dehumanize and speak with moral superiority over other human beings based on a political belief or religious belief or ethnicity or even being on a different team at work or even not supporting a mask or supporting a mask. That type of behavior is primal and it is unhealthy. It leads to violence. It leads to organizational collapse. It leads to those churn twisters and even the churn sinkholes where we collapse in on ourselves and the outcome is the manifestation of violence and organizational collapse. Because you see, we are social creatures. We are wired to connect with each other. It's what we do. It's how we sit on top of the food chain. We don't have fur or fangs or claws. But for 250,000 years, we became the best species in the world at grouping, at forming groups to overcome obstacles and things that Mother Nature throws us, throws at us and other humans. And, and so we have learned how to leverage fear and anger in a semi-conscious way to survive. But we've also advanced socially into, for the most part, first world situations where that's not necessary. But yet, we are becoming more and more primal every day. So why should you care? Why, you know, I've had people ask me, well, what's the big deal? Am I not justified to be angry? Am I not justified to land with all four feet on my associate when she doesn't do what I asked her to do? Of course you are. All of us retain the option for coercion. All of us retain the option to put our big stick into play against the head of the other party anytime. But I can just tell you, as someone who swung the proverbial big stick for decades as a Green Beret, 
It typically doesn't work. It it typically creates a social insurgent, particularly in times of low trust and and churn, toxic churn. It creates social insurgents who are now diametrically opposed, diametrically opposed to your goals. And look around. I mean, seriously, look around. I go back to my question, how do we live in a world dominated by 24-hour news cycle and social media who seem to foment this divisionism, this this toxicity of churn. How do we live in that kind of environment? Well, I've got some thoughts on that, right? I've got some thoughts on that. It goes back to, I encourage you to go listen to the module. Let me get a drink of water here. I encourage you to go listen to the module on um, managing mindset because I talk about your emotional state and how leadership is the management of energy, first yours and then the people that you lead. Well, that has never been more true. And and if you listen, we can't necessarily change the fact that we live in a society that could potentially trigger us at any moment. And you know I'm right. I mean, we all get triggered. And like uh, Mark Daw says, 90% of the population is experiencing high, high, high degrees of stress that are much, much, much more than they were 10 years ago. So it, you and I are both vulnerable to this. So we can't necessarily uh, make that go away, but we can manage our own state. We can manage our own emotional tri- uh, temperature. And if we can do that, then we can bring our emotional state, our emotional temperature down to a parasympathetic state from fight, flight, or freeze, which is inappropriate for most situations in life, down to calm and connect, as Dr. Belisa Varanich says, calm and connect. We can, we can literally bring our own emotional state down. And when we do that, because humans are social creatures, that's contagious too. That's contagious too. So when we get triggered, what can we do about it? Because we have to be able to recognize the triggers that happen. What is it that sets us off in this primal spiral, this tribal spiral, right? This viral spiral, as my friend David Martin calls it. If we can't recognize what it is that triggers us, then we are seriously at risk. And I tell you, I had to, I had to really look at this not this long, not that long ago. It was really. I was doing a lot of time on the, the news. And it was a couple years ago. I was doing a lot of, because I was very passionate about speaking out against ISIS. Uh, at the time, ISIS was really gaining prominence in the world. I, I felt like they were a serious threat at a local level inside the United States. They were growing in influence and their ability to inspire very, just, um, very catastrophic, horrific Horrorism is what I called it. Horrific, horrific, horrific attacks on local people. And so I would go on the news and I would talk about it because I wanted to raise awareness. But what I saw in going on the 24-hour news cycle, CNN, Fox, all of them, was just this highly toxic churn that was being fomented by the 24-hour news cycle. So these networks were actually competing for your attention by elevating stress levels, by elevating uh, tension, by elevating the churn and creating these cyclones of churn and fomenting division and putting it on display for you. And then it would get me spun up, it would get you spun up, and all of a sudden we would pick a side and now you are giving your full emotional state, your full attention to this network, which is what they want. 
And I believe this is true for social media. I think this is true for the 24-hour news cycle, uh, all of these devices that we walk around with. We are seriously at risk of getting triggered all the time. And we are in such a highly aroused state already where uh, distraction, disengagement, distrust are super high. The environment is vulnerable, uncertain. You know, COVID has put us into an isolated state with fear-based behavior. Like, it's the perfect storm that creates this toxic churn. So we've got to know when we're getting triggered. And and so, you know, Sun Tzu's advice of knowing your enemy and knowing yourself and never losing in a thousand battles, I think is super accurate. So who's the enemy? Well, the enemy is anything, any platform, any medium that can get you triggered or any person. And then knowing yourself and knowing what are my triggers and then avoid them at all costs. So going back to my story about the social media and the media, I, you know, I had to make a conscious decision. You know what? I'm not going on the news anymore. I'm not doing it because it was so toxic. I actually had producers encouraging me to interrupt other guests because the viewers love it. And I'm thinking, man, no wonder civil discourse and respect in this country has gone to such a shitty level because we have leaders in the media who are actually fomenting this divisionism on purpose to compete for attention because they know it's like a car wreck. You can't look away. It gets people triggered. And so I just made a conscious decision, and this was before the Trump-Biden election. I said, I'm out. I'm not, not only am I not going on 24-hour news, I'm not watching it anymore. And I stopped. Now, I do think I may go back on 24-hour news that with, as, as we are recording this right now, uh, we are going to be premiering Last Out, Elegy of a Green Beret, our play on 9-11-2001. So for something like that, I'll step back into that caustic, corrosive arena that they call news, and I'll probably um, speak my piece there. But then I'm out. I'm, I'm not going to go back to it uh, unless there's another you know highly um, leveraged event that needs to happen because I know that's a trigger for me. I know that it triggers me and it triggers other people. It triggers my mom. It triggers my dad. You know, And so I made a decision. I avoid the 24-hour news cycle like the plague. I don't turn it on. I don't keep it running in the background like a lot of people do. And listen, if you do that, I strongly urge you to stop doing that because there is nothing in a 24-hour news cycle. These news alerts and all that stuff, that is simply meant to elevate your dopamine levels so that you will lean in more and you will give them the number one commodity they seek, which is your attention, right? Leadership is the management of energy. Ask yourself right now, where are you putting your attention moment to moment in your day? How much of your attention are you giving to 24-hour news? How much of your attention are you giving to social media? How much of, a, of your attention are you giving to other individuals when you wake up first thing in the morning and check your texts? Because all of them are potential triggers and they are competing for your attention. And when you give away your attention like that, you give away your agency, you give away your autonomy, your ability to affect what's happening in your arena. And you're now putting that at the will of another human. And that is going to erode your energy. It's going to elevate your cortisol levels. It's going to create potential triggers in your life. So avoiding those triggers at a minimum I implore you, avoid social media to the degree that you can. Avoid the 24-hour news cycle. Turn it off. You don't need it. If something happens in the world, somebody will tell you, right? Avoid picking your phone up first thing in the morning. Do journaling first. 
um, and, and avoid you know staying on your phone till late at night. Put that thing up an hour before you go to bed. Those are those are elements right there that can help you avoid triggers, manage your energy, keep yourself in a parasympathetic state, and put your attention in a place where you maintain your own agency. Now. You might shake your head at that and go, well, how do I do that? Well, that all comes down to regimen. You know, it's what it's in, in rooftop language, we call it R4 uh, regimen, ritual, rigor, and recovery. And regimen equals results. There's a reason that Navy SEALs, Green Berets, Army Rangers are up running and doing PT, physical training, before the sun comes up. Because we know that regimen equals results. The world is chaos, and it always will be. And that's okay, but to some degree, we need to bring some level of order, some level of structure to this ancient brain wrestling with this high-tech world. I need to bring regimen. I need to bring discipline. I need to bring rhythm, what I like to call battle rhythm. And you can establish a battle rhythm where every morning you address mind, body, spirit, and craft. You are on your feet doing a workout, meditation, breath work. And there's no room in your battle rhythm for, you know, picking your phone up as soon as you wake up. Instead, get up and do 25 push-ups. Get up and do diaphragmatic breathing on the edge of your bed. Get up and drink 20 ounces of water. Go to your knees and do meditation or any combination of those. But don't pick that damn phone up and allow yourself to be triggered at the whim of somebody else. You're surrendering your agency. Regimen equals results. And so if you want to avoid triggers, social media, news, checking your phone first thing or late at night, it's just it's just a matter of establishing rituals inside your rhythm that address mind, body, and spirit. And oh, by the way, you can have part of your battle rhythm that you check your phone. You can have part of your battle rhythm that you turn the 24-hour news cycle on for 10 minutes at this time every day to get a blast on the news. And after 10 minutes, I promise you, they've cycled through anything important. You know, what I do, I'm not kidding you, I actually have one of the guys on my team, he filters the news based on what I need him to update me on, and he gives me updates every day. You know, I did the same thing when I was a commander. Uh, I would have my intelligence person give me the filtered information that I need. I'm not going to suggest myself, I'm not going to subject myself to the whims and the irresponsible ramblings of divisionists on 24-hour news and social media. I think I've hit this enough. So what are a couple other tips that you can do to you know, continue to live in a world dominated by 24-hour news cycle and toxic churn? Well, another one is you can practice bringing your emotional temperature down. You can actually practice this. If you find yourself getting triggered, here are five steps that you can do, okay? One, remove yourself from the trigger immediately. That means if you find yourself triggered on Facebook or Instagram or, um, you know, a text, put the device away. Walk away and get it out of your hands, Turn the 24-hour news cycle off. Get away from the individual that just elevated your trance-like state. Here's why. According to Dr. Ivan Terrell, when we experience fear and anger in a hyper-aroused state, our aperture for broader perspective and human connection goes to the size of a soda straw. Anger makes you stupid. And your ability 
to engage and keep track of your long-term goals and where you want to go is reduced to nothing. So remove the trigger immediately because you're going into a sympathetic state and nothing good is going to come from that nine times out of ten. Number two, once you've removed yourself from the trigger, immediately engage in some kind of functional movement. Movement and meaning are inextricably linked. And the quicker we can connect to meaning and reconnect to meaning, the quicker we can pull ourselves out of that primal trance-like state where we're only focused on surviving. When we go to meaning and purpose, we're focused on thriving. Okay, so just something as simple as functional movement, a brisk walk, a jog, 10 burpees can all of a sudden shake you out of that trance-like state and you will start to connect to meaning and purpose again just through purposeful functional movement. Number three, once you finish the functional movement, sit down in a quiet space, feel your feet on the floor, feel the temperature of the room on your skin, and do three to five diaphragmatic breaths. Expand your belly on the inhale through your nose, and then squeeze your belly to spine on the exhale. That's what Dr. Belisa Veronich calls uh, rock and roll breath, diaphragmatic breath. It's very effective and it works. Three to five of those coming out of functional movement, just clear your brain. Don't think about the past. Don't think about the future. Just be present. Feel your feet on the floor. Connect to your breath. You will drop down into a parasympathetic state even further. Once you've done that, now, number four, is you can think about what are the red lines that I need to defend here. Now, so in other words, I'm not saying that this is some Pollyanna model and you roll over. You get away from the trigger. You do some movement. You do some breath work. Now that you're in a parasympathetic state, ask yourself, okay, what are the red lines that I need to stand for here? And what do I mean by red lines? These are the, the things that you will not cross. These are the things that you will not violate. They are your ethos, your principles. So when you think about what just happened, did a red line get violated? And if it did, now you're in a position to actually go back and address it. But if it didn't, let it go. Do more functional movement, more breath work until you can. Because a red line is, you know, again, it's there's not that many of them. It's the things that we value. It's what we stand for, what we don't, who we work with, who we won't. And if a red line is crossed, then we need to acknowledge it and we need to go back and deal with it in a parasympathetic state. But if it wasn't, then we can let it go, right? And so that's why I say identify the red line in that moment, number four. And then number five is revisit your goals and revisit their goals. That is one step. That's number five. Revisit your goals. Revisit their goals. What are my goals? What are my goals right now? Because if we can stay focused on our goals, that will keep us from going back into that emotional state where we surrender our agency and anger makes us stupid. If I can stay focused on my goals to go back and re-engage or do whatever it is I need to do, then I can I can behave responsibly. I can behave in a way that keeps me focused on my goals. Thinking about their goals is also super helpful because it has me thinking about them from a point of connection rather than a point of isolation or thinking of them as an enemy. I want to know what are their goals? What are they trying to achieve? It might even explain why they triggered me. Okay. So again, remove yourself from the trigger, functional movement, like some kind of workout or walk, diaphragmatic breath, three to five reps, look at your red lines, where they violated, and then revisit your goals and the other parties. If you can do that, 
then you've brought your emotional temperature down and you're now in a state where you can actually lead, right? You can actually go into that situation and help others in a way that you couldn't before because you weren't managing your own energy, right? Now that you're in this a parasympathetic state. But now, one last thing that I'll say. Uh, this is just another tip. You know, there was, uh, when I was going through lifeguard training, one of the things that we were taught was never try to grab a drowning person, you know, if you can help it, um, without throwing them a life device first, a life-saving device. That's always the ideal way because they are in a sympathetic state. They are in fight, flight, or freeze. They're in fear-based behavior, and they will take your ass down without even realizing it. Well, people caught up in a churn cyclone or a churn sinkhole, they're the same way. They have succumbed to a trance-like state of fear and or anger. Their body has gone into a primal response, and their brain, that ancient brain, doesn't know the difference between a saber-toothed tiger and you. So they view you as a threat, and they will until their temperature comes down, that emotional temperature. So be very careful, right? Even once you get your temperature down, that you don't just reach into that twister and they suck you in. That's the first thing. Rather than do that, is what I would rather you do is meet them where they are, right? Meet them where they are without exposing your jugular, and I want you to just think about it that way. So the second step is meet them where they are, not where you want them to be. So your, your focus when someone else is in a trance-like state, that churn, is, is pure discovery. I really want to, out of curiosity, uh, empathize and understand where they are. It doesn't cost you anything to meet someone where they are. It's just a sense of pure discovery of being an empathetic witness to the other party and helping them uh, bring their emotional temperature down. And I do that by simply trying to connect and just get a sense of where they are. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't forfeit your agenda. It sometimes, it, because of pride and ego, it seems harder. But for leaders, it's the most important thing we can do. So be careful of helping the drowning person outright. Don't just stick your hand into the churn and start offering advice or criticism. Rather, meet them where they are, not where you want them to be. Focus on discovery and getting a sense of their pain and their goals. And the third thing I can do in that regard is mostly being present and asking thoughtful, open-ended questions. That's right. As leaders, whether we have a title or not, if we want to navigate the toxicity of the churn, just being present, being an empathetic witness for the other party who is really focused on meeting them where they are, not where I want them to be, who asks thoughtful, open-ended questions that let the other party respond in narrative. And even if they're highly irate, highly emotional, by just responding in narrative, their emotional temperature will naturally come down. The negative energy will dissipate. The body armor will fall off. They will start to connect. They'll feel their toes un uncurl. They'll feel their feet on the floor. Their breath will return and you can help them regulate their state so that they ultimately get ready to listen to what the hell you have to say. I hope you wrote some of that down. Don't help a drowning person by offering judgment and criticism. Meet them where they are instead not where you want them to be, and do that by asking thoughtful, open-ended questions that let the other party 
respond in narrative. So I, there you go. I've given you some tactics to manage your own temperature in the churn and then help others. Just know that we need you to do this. I need you to do this. Rooftop Nation is building 10 million inspired rooftop leaders across the country because of this toxic churn that we're in. We need leaders like you who understand human nature, who understand the arena of the churn. They understand how we're wired. They know what's below the waterline. They recognize that we are well-dressed Neanderthals and that if left to our own devices and instincts and arrogance, we will slip into that trance-like state and we will become part of those churn cyclones, those churn sinkholes. And it will just manifest and grow. Social capital will erode in your business. It will erode in your community, in your family and you will start to see levels of distrust and disconnection that are frankly tribalistic, that are primal tribal relationships instead of that bridging trust that we need in a free society to bridge beyond our in-groups and connect with one another. That's the cost. But if you can manage your own emotional temperature your own energy with the techniques that I talked about here by avoiding those triggers and if you are triggered by regulating your state and then work to help others do that, you are going to be the most relevant person in the room and that's who people follow to the rooftop. Don't surrender to the toxic churn because nobody else is coming. Today's leaders for the most part are divisionists and they focus on dividing us and creating contempt and fomenting contempt on social media, on the 24-hour news cycle, in politics, and even corporate America. We have to lead at our level and we can do it through human connection. Don't let the toxic churn take you down and those that you lead. Thanks for what you do. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope that you'll share it. I hope that you will give us a review and uh, that you'll continue to listen to future broadcasts. All right. So thanks again for what you do, and I'll see you on the rooftop.